Hello, hello. Welcome to Sit with Brit. I'm Brittany Bailey, and today we're sitting down to talk with Brittany Long, and I am so, so beyond excited to have her here. She is an evergreen email marketing expert, and she is just an all-around amazing, amazing person. We've been in a mastermind together for a couple of years. Um, so Brittany, thank you so much for coming, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Anytime I get to hang out with you, it's a good day. <laughs> So funny story before we jump in. Um, so Brittany and I are in the same mastermind. And um, when she first joined, I was, my maiden name was Lynn. And so we were both Brittany L and we're both from Florida, central Florida specifically. And both, you know, we're kind of dabbling around an email. And so um, Brittany had announced that she was pregnant, like right kind of at the start of this whole thing. And I walked into this mastermind and everybody started congratulating me. <laughs> and I was like, what did I miss? What is going on? And then I quickly realized it was you. And so we've had a lot of like funny <laughs> mix up stories throughout, <laughs> throughout our time of knowing each other. That's really funny. I don't know if that happened. That's really, really funny. I was like, what did I like, did I post something? Like, I don't, I was so confused. So, um, so that's actually kind of where I would love to start is your journey into entrepreneurship. Cause I know every entrepreneur that I know has gone through this, where we like, we kind of jump into the world first and we're like, what's what, and then we kind of evolve, you know, it, with our skill set and the way that we work with our customers. And I've seen that with you. And I think you've done such a great job of like finding your thing. And so tell us a little bit about like what first brought you into the entrepreneurship world. And then like, what was the first thing that you did when you were in this space? So I think deep down, I always knew that entrepreneurial life was for me. Um, I even remember like in fifth grade, making, making these little, um, they're like little lizard beads, like uh, not, not beads made of lizards, but like they're, anyway, they're like these little things that you can put on keychains and I was selling them and I was always babysitting. Like I was always looking for ways that I could um, feel like I had more control. I guess, I don't know if it was my, of my money or my future or what, but like, I knew that I knew that I really enjoyed making something and giving money for it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And then I also knew though, that I wanted to make an impact. And so I think for a long time, I thought, well, how do I do that? And for a while I thought, well, if I want to make an impact, I need to do something that's like really service-based. And so I left my job uh, when I, when I graduated college, I um, worked for my alma mater for a little bit. And then I left that to go into teaching. My husband was a teacher. My dad was a teacher for 37 years. My, um, my father-in-law was a principal. My mother-in-law was a teacher. Like everybody in my life <laughs> seemed to be teaching. And I thought, well, I really like helping people. So maybe this is the right fit for me. And so I got into that and I loved it for the first like year, year and a half. And then by the end of the second year, I was so worn out and burnt out and exhausted because I was going above and beyond all the time, working really, really hard and like grading all the time. Basically my entire life was surrounded by teaching. And um, that was great for a little bit, but it wasn't sustainable. And I think the, the most difficult thing about that or the thing that was like that aha moment for me was when I realized I was caring more about these kids and their grades and stuff like that than I was about my own family. And that I, I, it didn't sit right with me. And so by the end of that second year, I knew something had to change, but it was like, ah, it'll change eventually, or I'll figure out what to do when I have time, when I retire, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it just didn't seem urgent. And then that summer I had a cancer scare 
And I still remember sitting in the doctor's office, um, waiting for the doctor to come in. And she said, I'm so sorry to tell you, you know, you have cancer, it's aggressive. <clears throat> Here's where it is. It's in three different places. And anyway, it was devastating, but it was devastating because I thought, oh my gosh, I've spent so much time on other people's families that don't even remember me. And yet I haven't spent time with my family because I thought, you know, my job had to come first and I want to be this good teacher. And I really, that was part of my identity. And so that was the moment where I was like, I have, to, this is not for me. Like I knew deep down in my gut in that very moment that this is not the thing that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And for some people it is, and that's amazing. But for me, it, it definitely wasn't. And I knew it and I known it for a while, <laughs> but it didn't matter until I thought that I was dying until I thought that this was my last year on earth. And I thought, am I okay with how I've spent things so far? And I wasn't, um, especially, and especially how it related to spending more time with my family. So that was like that turning point for me into the entrepreneurial world. Um, and it took me two more years to get out of teaching. And I spent the, probably the next year, I moved to another school. I thought, well, maybe it's just the school that I'm at. Maybe that's the problem. It wasn't. And I thought, well, maybe if I just write in my gratitude journal more, that'll fix everything. It didn't. It was that it wasn't the right fit for me. And I knew deep down that I was supposed to have my own business. And um, so that, yeah, that's kind of how everything happened. But it did take me a while. And that, that year afterwards, I basically spent complaining and thinking, oh, this is unfair. This isn't right, blah, blah, blah. And I should say this to you. The doctor was actually wrong. I didn't have cancer. It wasn't aggressive. It was actually localized and not in multiple places. Like such, it was a, it was a really crazy few weeks thinking that I was dying. And I'm, it was awful and quite traumatic. And like, I still have a little bit of anxiety anxiety going to doctor's offices now, but um, I'm so glad that it happened because that was for sure the catalyst for me um, that pushed me out of my comfort zone. Wow. It is such an interesting series of events that led you there, like <laughs> to have that devastating of news, you know, delivered to you and then for it to be partially wrong. And then for it, like, you know, all of these things that really like pushed you into this phase of your life. And one thing you mentioned was like teaching was your identity. And as you and I know, like an identity is something that's like one of the more difficult things for us to change. Like when we have taken on an identity for ourselves, that's something that can be challenging for us to, you know, go through and rewrite. And for you, like it had to be this very intense thing to, you know, to go ahead and help you shed that identity. So you go through this and you, you know, you take about two years to get into the online space during that time. Like, are you thinking maybe I'll, I'll still teach online or like what kinds of things are you looking at doing in the online space? I hadn't even thought really about teaching online. I guess I looked at some of the like tutoring kind of companies that did stuff online. I did look at that a little bit, but because I was teaching full time, it it just wouldn't really work out. And I knew that I didn't really want to teach anymore. I think, I think deep down, I knew that. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So <laughs> that next year I spent complaining a lot and being like, this is unfair. I don't know what to do. But one thing that I did do that I'm so thankful I did was I went to, um, this, there's a group of people in Orlando that would meet up, um, once, I think it was like once a month and it was always on a Thursday and it was always like six to 8 PM. And that was amazing. Except that it meant I was getting home. Actually, I think it was like six to eight thirty. but anyway, I was getting home at like 10 PM every single time I went which is means that I'm getting up at like 6 a.m. to get ready for school and all that. And it was exhausting. And there are many times where I was like, I don't know if I should go. You know, it's an hour. It was a three hour uh, drive round trip for me. So it was like, like it was it felt like it was a big commitment. Um, but I went there and I'm so glad I did, because that's when I started seeing all these other people that were 
doing things that I wanted to do that I didn't even know existed. Like it completely opened up this world for me in the online space. And, but I remember still complaining while I was there and being like, I'm not as far along as these people. I felt like I didn't belong there. Cause I, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like total imposter syndrome, all of that kind of stuff. And I remember um, there was somebody there named Brad and he told me one day, he was like, listen, you have committed to teaching at least for the rest of this year. So go on on that. And then if you don't want to anymore, you don't have to, but nobody is making you do it. You are choosing to do it. And that was a huge aha moment for me. And it like gave me permission to be like, okay, instead of complaining, I'm going to continue to do this, but I'm going to actually take action steps out. And so that's kind of how everything started. Um, so in between then, and when I actually left, I started a sign shop on Etsy, uh, like a physical sign shop, because I, I like being creative. I like hand lettering. Uh, but I didn't realize at the time I really had a hard time kind of with perfectionism and anxiety and stuff like that. And, um, so I would make the signs and then I'd see a little teeny, teeny, tiny thing, tiny thing that's off and our signs were rustic. So like, it was okay for things to, to not be like perfection, you know, but I didn't feel like it was okay. And so I would redo and redo and redo. And so any profit that we did have would get eaten up by me redoing and redoing and redoing. And so we tried that for a while and that was fun because Zach did it with me too. My husband did it with me too. And um, I enjoyed that, but it still, I still felt like this is not, this is not the thing. And so I uploaded some stuff to Etsy, like some digital products. And then I got into graphic design. And then from there, I ended up working with uh, somebody as my first freelancing job. I ended up getting to learn funnels and email marketing and all of that. And it was, I, that's really when things started rolling where it was a lot of fun. Yeah. What I love about, everything you just shared is like, you didn't stop at any point, right? Like you were getting up and driving and yeah, maybe you were complaining during that time, but you didn't expect yourself to change overnight. You like had still this long-term vision of like, okay, I'm going to complain, but I'm still going to drive three hours and go to this event. Like, okay, I'm going to complain or be anxious about the way that this sign is, but I'm still going to set up my Etsy shop. Like there's still a lot of resilience in the story that you're telling where like you kept going and you kept doing things, even if you were still struggling with, you know, all the imposter syndrome and, you know, anxiety and perfectionism that we all, I haven't talked to one entrepreneur who hasn't experienced that. Um, so, you know, you still have a lot of resilience in that. Do you think that comes just inherently to you? Is there a part of your story that you're like, I think that's why I developed so much resilience in this, um, in this part of my life? I think part of it is playing sports growing up and, and being told by a coach, you have to do these certain things and not really feeling, I mean, of course you have an option, but if you want to be on the team, you have to do those things and you just kind of push through it. So I think that's part of it, but I think really what the, the major factor was like, I don't think I would have done it unless I had had that cancer scare that like shook my world. Um, because when I had that, it helped me get really clear on, on what I wanted. And I mean, every year it's getting more clear and more clear and more clear. But at this point, like, I know exactly what I want. I can taste it, feel it, touch it, smell it. Like I can, I can tell you what I want our home and our land to look like, what we want our schedule to look like. I mean, I can tell you in really, really great detail. I wouldn't have been able to then what I wanted then was I wanted to be able to work from home. That was like, the entire thing that I wanted, I didn't know what else, but um, now that when that was possible, I was like, wow, so much more is possible. But I think it really started with that cancer scare where I thought, okay, am I living the life that I want to live? Like, if this is my entire existence, am I okay with it? And my answer was no. It got me obsessed with, I don't know if obsessed is the right word, but it might be <laughs> with um, the idea of like creating the exact life that I want and realizing that I think that that's possible to do. Um, and yeah, I think that's really where it came from. 
Yeah. I love that. So it's so interesting to me because clarity, it's the same for me. Like I, I struggle so much when I don't have clarity. And as soon as I do, it's like, I have all the resilience that I need. I have all of the tries that I need to make and all the, you know, push and drive that I need to push through anxiety and anything else that's coming up because I can see where I'm going. So it's like clarity ends up being one of the best gifts that we can have as entrepreneurs, because it's like, if you don't know where you're running, then when you trip and fall, you're just like, well, I don't even know where I'm going anyways. <laughs> you know, you can just stay down. Um, so you're, you're in this online space. You start to learn about funnels. You start to learn about email marketing. What was your next step in the online world? Were you like at that time going, okay, maybe I could start an agency for myself, or maybe I want to try digital products. Like what kinds of things were exciting to you back then? So I was really happy freelancing. I loved doing funnels. I loved writing. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed that. And I had the opportunity to help run a team and um, I enjoyed all of it. And I, I learned a lot of different um, skills along the way, especially if one of my main freelance clients and I loved doing that. Uh, and I, I probably would have done that forever, except that there are some changes that happen. And then there's some changes in my life too that happened with um, the birth of my daughter. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I want to take time off, like I need to set up a business that allows me to take time off where I don't feel like I have to make up the hours later, or I don't feel rushed on the deadline where I get to set my own deadlines. And that was really, when she came along, I, I remember thinking before she was born, I remember thinking, well, it, I'll just go back to work and it'll be just like normal. And it was not, it was not like that at all. It was a huge shift for me. And um, I didn't want to be absent in her life growing up. And so I realized that that was pretty much the point where I was like, okay, something, something has to change. And so in, let's see, September, I think of 2020 is when I uh, left my main freelancing client and I started my own business and I was doing, I was a service provider and I was doing mostly like all services. So mostly funnel building, mostly email marketing. I did a few like strategy VIP day kind of things, but mostly email marketing and funnel building. And um, I really enjoyed it. That was a lot of fun. But then I realized I'm the only one here. So if I get sick, if something happens, we don't have any money coming in. And that freaked me out, especially, you know, with last year and people getting sick and stuff like, or whatever year it was, <laughs> when people getting sick and all of that, um, it really terrified me that I would put my family in a really difficult position if I wasn't able to work. And so that's kind of when it started, when it got, got me started thinking about an agency. And that's how we kind of got into that. And so at the point where I was getting more work than I could take on and do really well, um, that's when it happened. And I actually, I was so resistant to doing an agency for a while because I thought I don't love managing people. I'm not great at it. Like it's not my, it's not my strong point. It's not something I enjoy. Like, why would I want to, why would I want to do that? Um, and so I resisted it for a really long time until I, I made a mistake with the client. And it was, I still, I in thinking about it. I still feel it in my gut. I feel it in my chest. Like it was terrible and it was a timeline issue. Um, and I mean, I learned a lot of things. Like I learned making sure I'm updating the contract. If we're updating the timeline, like things like that, that, you know, sometimes you don't know unless you've experienced that. So for anybody listening, as a service provider, hopefully that helps you. So you don't have to experience that. Um, but I made a, I just made a huge mistake. It was, it was totally my fault. And um, anyway, that was the moment where I was like, I need to have an agency because me trying to do all of the things and manage and do sales calls and do the actual writing and the implementation and emailing, like, it's just not, it's not best for me. It's not best for my clients. And so that was when I opened up to the idea of having an agency. So we started the agency, we grew it. 
we ended up making less that next month than I thought, which was terrifying, <laughs> like to hire people on and feel like I'm responsible for, responsible for them and then to not have the kind of revenue that we wanted. And so it was great though, because it helped me be like, all right, how do I work through this? Because it's going to happen again at some point. And it's likely going to happen again when we're hitting higher and higher and higher revenue. So what do I need to do so that it's not as impactful when it happens again? And anyway, all that to say, I'm glad it happened <laughs> when it did, because it would have been terrifying if I was making three or four or five times that, and then it happened and I hadn't experienced that before. So I'm glad it happened. Um, but that's what started with the agency. Yeah, that's how we got there. <laughs> I feel like that's a really long answer to, to share that, but hopefully that helps somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know as a service provider myself, I had a similar experience where I was like, oh crap, it's just me. But just like you, I wasn't really feeling like I wanted to be a manager or like I wanted to have this big team under me. And I, I struggled with that. And I think it's important for other service providers or entrepreneurs to know that these that agency owners aren't necessarily always the same kind of person who grew up wanting to have this big agency. It's really like the clarity and the vision that we're trying to achieve that can bring an agency into our world, right? Like if we're wanting to serve this many clients, if we're wanting to serve our families in this way, this is the path to to that, you know, so it's just like what going back to what we were saying, where clarity is so important because we can figure out the revenue stuff. We can figure out managing. We can figure out hiring a project manager or whatever it looks like if we know where we're trying to go is worth it, you know. And so I hear that very much in your story. Yeah, and we ended up hiring a project manager, and she actually she started as our VA, and she was so like she's just so wonderful. And so we promoted her to project manager, and it's it was the best decision that we could have made. Like I don't think that we'd be able to have our agency without it. For me and my personality, I, I just don't think it would have worked out. So I'm yeah, I'm such a fan of her. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I know it can make all the difference. Like honestly, to have the right person on our team it can make it's a completely different experience than before. So this is the agency that you currently run, right? And you focus on evergreen emails. I love so much this whole concept that you have around Fridays off, like the Friday off club that you have and, and your podcast is called that. So tell us a little bit about, I know we like touched on, you know, you wanting to spend more time with your family and wanting to be, you know, not just serving your customers and not just serving that you wanted to also serve your family. So tell us a little bit about like the Friday off club concept and kind of how that all got started. Yeah, so we, uh, during probably the most um, stressful time, one of the most stressful times in my life after teaching, um, it was when we were like, you know what, Brittany, you're working all the time. I was working 16, 18 hour days consistently, and I didn't want to be, but it it just kept happening, which means I kept choosing it because I felt like I needed to get it done. Again, it was an identity thing. I, I really felt like my work determined my worth, and uh, so I, I really had a hard time letting that go. But um, it was one of those most stressful times. And I was like, you know what? I became a freelancer so I could work the hours that I wanted to and get things done without being super stressed. So we decided, my husband and I decided we were going to do Fridays off. And it, the, I remember the first one that we did, like a new big project came down the line and I was like, how am I going to get this done? And I was stressed out about it. And he's like, well, you know, if you want, we can push it off. We can start our Friday off. Uh, you know, in a few weeks. And I said, no, if we don't do it today, we're going to keep pushing it off. Let's do it today. So we started, we went to the Springs that are near our house and it was magical. Like <laughs> we went for a hike and I was out in nature and we were laughing and having fun. And it was so, it, it just, I was like, this is what I want. This is what I want in my life. And um, 
I know for me growing up, my, my dad and my mom, but especially my dad, cause my mom uh, worked at home or she stayed at home with us, but my dad um, worked a lot. He worked multiple jobs all the time. And I thought, okay, he had a stroke, uh, two strokes actually a few years ago when he was in ICU and it was really, really scary. But I remember one thing he said to me and he was like, I wish I had spent more time with you. And um, I'm so thankful, you know, for the time that we got to, or we've gotten to spend together and, and that he's been able to recover and stuff like that. And, um, but I, that was something that stuck with me of like, I want to make sure that I'm not working all the time that I'm able to spend time with Gracie and with Zach. And um, so that's kind of how Friday off club started with this desire to spend time with each other, like a, a dedicated day every single week. Um, I think sometimes with work, we get into this habit of like, we're spending all this time on work. And yet the person that we like <laughs> said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Like we hardly ever see them because we're just so focused on work. And so that's what we do. Sometimes we hike, sometimes we bake, sometimes we eat. Uh, usually there's a, um, in Mount Dora, so you know where that is. So we uh, go there sometimes because they have this little crepe shop that we'll go to. So we'll be like, oh, let's go for a hike in Mount Dora. But really what we want to do is go to that crepe shop because it is delicious. But um, so we do those things. We sometimes we'll just stay home and watch movies all day, but whatever it is, it's family. We take, uh, everybody knows that we have the day off. It's in our email signature. It's in, um, pretty much any communication with people, they know that we're not on Friday. Uh, it was difficult at first. And I was working with one person that would keep sending me stuff on Friday. And I'd be like, well, I'm not usually in on Friday, but I'll do this really quick. And I kept doing this really quick. And then finally I was like, listen, I can't, I'm not. And then she, <laughs> she needed it for like a pre-launch or something like that. And, um, and I felt bad, but I was like, no, I've said it. And I've said it. And I've said it like for weeks and weeks and weeks. And she keeps sending it because what you allow is what continues. And so I finally just was like, this isn't the right fit anymore. Um, but it was difficult at first. I thought everybody would hate me. Nobody hated me, <laughs> but it just kept, it was me sticking to, we're going to be taking this time off. Yeah. Well, what I really love about it is that you, like you came up with this personally, like, this is how I want to live my life. This is the lifestyle that I want, but you didn't stop there. You then made it your mission with your company to empower other entrepreneurs to take Fridays off by having the systems in place to continually support them with revenue. So it's not like, you know, you just made it this personal mission and you stopped there. You really like took it one step further. So it's like you as a person, I feel like always have this service heart, you know, like, and you see it in your teacher background, you see it in the way that you show up for people online, like just knowing you personally, you have that but it's like your brain can't help but go, how can I help other people do what I'm doing? Like, it's just very evident when I'm looking at your story, you don't ever just stop with yourself. You're like, how can I, <clears throat> excuse me, how can I do this for other people? Yeah, it, it feels really important to me. It feels like a life, a life mission kind of thing. Like, it's great if I get to do it, but how much greater would it be if we can help so many more people do it? Like our company vision is to help 30,000 entrepreneurs take Friday off because we know what an impact it's made on us and our family to be able to have that sacred time together. And um, I genuinely think that if entrepreneurs can take that at least one day a week to spend with your family or spend with your loved ones, um, that not only is it a shift for you, but I think it'll be a generational like catalyst type shift for your family too, because they're not going to grow up thinking I have to work, 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 like thinking that work equates work, work <laughs> equates worth. Um, they get to grow up seeing work as a valuable piece of being fulfilled, but not the only piece. And I think that's really where that deep seated mission comes from. 
Yeah, you can see the ripple effect of what you're doing. And as you mentioned that, I know I was just watching a Facebook Live that you just did about work equaling worth and going through perfectionism, really, and and being afraid to you know, let people down and your comments, I was going and reading through, you know, what people were saying to you. And it's so like, you know, you mentioned that you were nervous to say this, but it's so (laughs) evident that this is like something that so many entrepreneurs, I know myself too, when our work is like very personal, like I'm sitting down to write this for you. And if you don't like it or it's not what you were expecting or whatever, then it's like a direct reflection on me So tell us a little bit about like that and kind of your mindset going into sharing that. Cause I know it wasn't, it wasn't an easy thing for you to go, not only just share, but you shared it live, which can, you know, add another level of like, (laughs) you know, what if I say this and I, you know, it was a little bit awkward or whatever. I know I have that too. So tell us a little bit about like deciding to open up and share that. Yeah, that was, it was really uncomfortable. I'm, I mean, I go live a lot on my page and I talk about business stuff and email marketing, but to talk about something so personal and, and that felt so vulnerable was incredibly uncomfortable. And, um, but I, I almost felt like it was something that I needed to do. Cause I thought I surely I can't be alone in this. And I also realized I had been sitting in so much shame and guilt because of it, that it wasn't serving me anymore. And I was like, I wonder how many other people are are resisting so many things because of shame and because of guilt that doesn't need to be there. And so um, it, it felt like one of those bigger than me kind of moments. And that was, I think, why, even though I was like sweating to death, like so nervous um, that I felt like I needed to share it. And I think the biggest thing that was scary for me was sharing that I am not perfect, which like, <laughs> obviously, you know what I mean? Like saying that out loud is so funny because I, I think, well, of course I'm not perfect. Who would expect that, you know? Um, but I feel like if I share any of my flaws, I, I feel it. Sometimes I feel like people won't want to hire me or they think, oh, you must be unprofessional or something like that. And that's not the case. I'm just, you know, a human that's learning and growing. We're always constantly trying to improve. And I realized one of the issues I was having with um, contacting people, especially clients we've worked with in the past that we do like that one big sequence for um, cause I know some of them will need emails again. So, but I've been avoiding contacting them because I thought, well, the job that we did for them, let's say we did it six months ago, the job we did six months ago was the best we could have done then, like with what we knew with how we, you know, and we did a really good job, but what we can do now, six months later is so much better because we've, you know, worked through our processes even more. And I think no matter where you're at in your business, there's going to be those times where you're like six months ago, my best looks different than my today best. But I felt so much guilt and shame about that, that I wasn't like, (laughs) perfect right from the beginning, which is so ridiculous to think about, but I I was really holding on to that. And um, yeah, I just felt like there has to be other people feeling this imposter syndrome, feeling all of these things for the same reason. What if we can get through that together? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's again, like coming back to clarity and coming back to the bigger mission, because like these small uncomfortable things that we do on our entrepreneurship journey, they all are worth it if we can know that we're going towards this thing of working towards something together and building, you know, like you were saying, you see the ripple effect. And so I commend you for that because I know how uncomfortable it is to raise your hand. Like nobody thinks that we're perfect, but we also are never necessarily like writing down our flaws and like showing them to people, you know? So it's like, it's that, you know, understanding that us doing that not only makes us human and not only makes us relatable to people who are experiencing the same things, 
but on a professional level, like I know when I started talking about anxiety on my podcast and about, you know, the stuff that I was going through mentally, I had like my revenue increase. Like there was a direct line because people, especially in our field where we're writing for people, they want to know who that person is that's taking their words and writing for them, you know? And so it like, it takes the relationship to a deeper level where they're like, I understand who this person is and I trust them with my mission. The Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs that we work with, they have really big missions. And so it's like, they feel like they can authentically trust you more when you start to open up. And when you start to say, Hey, I'm experiencing these things. Like it starts to, you know, create this deeper level of trust really, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I never thought about it that way, but I think you're right. That makes a lot of sense. And it's really interesting to see the correlation that you have between sharing that and then seeing your own new growth. That's really cool. Absolutely. So one more thing I wanted to touch on, you also have multiple brands, which I think is so cool and interesting, especially talking about this Friday off Mm -hmm. concept, because not only are you able to take Fridays off from your agency, which is doing amazing but you have other brands and other businesses. So tell us a little bit about like what other stuff you have going on and how you're able to manage all of that. So uh, I love the things that we get to do. We manage it by having people in our corner that we trust and that can help us. That's the biggest thing. Um, but it all actually started, I so I'm a serial entrepreneur and I feel so free saying that. I used to not say that. (laughs) And I used to feel a lot of uh, guilt because I would start things and not finish them. And I thought that it was a character flaw and I would beat myself up for it. And I was like, you just need to go harder and you know, all these things. And I just saw myself as less than because I couldn't ever seem to finish things. And then recently I realized this is a freaking superpower because while I'm not great at finishing things, I'm great at starting them and then having the right people in place that can finish them. And it's been so cool to see how There are people on our team that are excellent at implementing, excellent excellent at finishing things, excellent at seeing all those teeny tiny details that I don't see. And I don't have to be all things all the time to all people at all in all levels. And that has been so freeing um, to see my place in everything, to feel like I finally found my fit. I finally found my place and to know that just because I don't like doing something doesn't mean they don't like doing something. Um, I would feel guilty handing things off to people because I was like, oh man, I hate doing this part and they will too. And then they'll hate me and like (laughs) downward spiral really fast. (laughs) And so, um, but yeah, that's, that's how we run multiple brands. So we have life after teaching, which is a brand for teachers that want to get out of teaching. Um, and that has grown a lot. So we have a Facebook group for that, that grow, that grew from 5,000. And I think it was September to 20 over 25,000 at this point, which is, uh, January. So significant growth there. And our email list has obviously grown from that as well. And so we do have that. And at first we were just kind of treating it as like a, a passion project. Cause that's really how it started is when I was trying to get out of teaching, there wasn't these kind of resources or community. And a lot of times I just felt like, well, maybe I'm just kind of a freak or complaining or ungrateful or all these things. And so we like having that community for people to realize, okay, it's not just me. And to realize if I want to leave teaching, it's okay. If you want to stay in, that's amazing. But if you want to leave, that's all right too. And uh, here's some options. And so that we have that brand, my husband and somebody else on our team run that completely. Um, I'm not Uh, very involved in it anymore at all, except for one thing, and that's our email sequence. And so it's an evergreen sequence that I created a few years ago that still runs out. And it's so cool because we still get emails from people being like, this is exactly what I need to hear today. Thank you so much. And so I feel like I still get to be part of that ripple effect, even though I don't have uh, like a lot of direct um, 
contribution into that at this point, you know? And so that's really cool. And then we have Win With Systems, which is our email marketing agency, and we do training. So my team does a lot of the agency work. We have all the systems in place so that everything is written really beautifully and checked and double checked and project managed and like things that I definitely could not have done all on my own and proofread and like all those really cool things. And then we have the training side of it. So I do, that's for me doing um, like speaking on stages and virtual summits and uh, Facebook lives and groups and all those kind of things. That's what I'm really, really well suited for is doing those kind of things and VIP day and strategy. I do that as well. And then we have some products on that. And so even though it's the same company, it feels like two different brands in some ways because it's serving slightly different audiences. And then actually we're going to have another brand here within the next year or two, and that's going to be type two rebellion. And that's for women with type two diabetes that refuse to let their diagnosis be a death sentence or to define them. And that came from me having type two diabetes and um, really feeling quite devastated at the beginning and feeling, especially after my first, the first doctor I went to, like the primary care doctor. And I told him, here's all the things that I'm changing. I'm going plant-based. I'm doing all these things. Like I'm exercising and I had done a lot of research. I had, I felt good about my plan. And he was like, no, your goal should be to not be blind and amputated in 10 years. And I was like, who the heck are you? And so I found a new doctor very quickly and um, they've been super supportive and helpful since, but that was a, like, there's so many women that have to go through that and that think that the rest of my life, I just have to be on medication because this doctor says this and my goal shouldn't be to heal from this. It should, you know, and so I want people to have a place for that. And so when I look at the different brands we have, they're all rooted in community. They're all rooted in something that we've experienced that we, that has had an impact on us. And so I guess that's kind of how we choose the brands that we want to start, but each of them, um, I kind of start, and then we have people that help with that. And it's just really cool to see, and we're, we're starting to do some KDP, uh, Amazon KDP stuff with that as well. But um, I'm best suited for being the face and doing the speeches and stuff like that. I am not best suited for implementing. And so we have a team that is fantastic for that. What I love so much about what you said was I'm a serial entrepreneur and it took me some time to accept that. And I feel that to my core because I have, you know, I had anxiety society, which is, you know, for entrepreneurs with anxiety. And then I had email marketing and I had mindset stuff that I love talking about. And I had so much guilt. I don't know if this is something that you experienced, but I had so much guilt around not having my like quote thing. Like, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about like, you know, I plant my flag in funnels and funnels are the best thing in the whole world. And that works for entrepreneurs. Like that's not the wrong way to do it. It's awesome. But some people are not necessarily best suited to just have the one thing. They are more multi-passionate or multifaceted. So tell me a little bit about like the mindset shift that had to happen for you to be like, not only am I okay with having these brands, but like I own that I'm a serial entrepreneur and I'm going to start these multiple different ventures. So when we first started, like when we went out on our own, after I stopped freelancing, I actually, we went all in with the life after teaching brand at first, because I thought I was in a really kind of, I don't think I'd say dark, but like in this like deep turmoil kind of place where I thought maybe I'm not good at anything. Maybe nobody wants to hire me. Like the weird things, you know, when you shift from freelancing to having your own business, all of that. Um, and so I was kind of in that weird place. So we decided to go all in with life after teaching because we happened to be at Funnel Hacking Live. I think that year, and it was uh, Tony Robbins that was talking. And I remember he said something like, 
if you have multiple businesses, you don't have any businesses, something along those lines. And so we, t- we were talking about that. And my husband was like, yeah, we should really like focus on one thing. So we were like, all right, we're going to focus on life after teaching. And so as we started to build that up, it wasn't going as quite quickly as we wanted to. And we thought, well, maybe we'll you know, treat it like a passion project, which is what it originally started as. And then I'll do some, I'll do some service stuff on the side. And I remember there was one month that was like a make it or break it month where we were like, we gotta, we gotta figure this out, you know? And so I went all in on start doing services. And that's, that's really where one with systems was kind of birthed where I realized people do need my help. I do know what I'm doing. Like I was able to kind of emerge from that, that deep turmoil kind of place. Um, And so a lot of it was realizing that okay, first of all, it is okay for us to have multiple brands, but we have to have a team in place or we have to have something in place to be able to grow them. If I'm growing multiple brands on my own or just me and Zach, like that's, it's not going to happen where we'll have a divided attention and nothing's going to go fast. And so, um, but having my attention, all my attention on one of systems while Zach worked on life after teaching, it allowed both of us to grow. And I think the biggest mindset shift for me was letting go and letting other people help and, um, being okay with not overseeing like every single thing and being okay with things being done maybe a little bit differently than I would personally do them. Um, and seeing the beauty of that, cause seeing things turn out better <laughs> sometimes than what I was doing is really cool. Um, but I think the biggest thing was realizing if we want to have multiple brands, if I want to be the serial entrepreneur that deep down, I, you know, will only whisper to myself and think that I am at that point, if I want to do those things, then I have to have uh, people in place that can help. It can't just be all me. And that was really hard because I thought, especially with the money, like paying people, I was like, how on earth am I going to do that? And so it took a while to get there. And it took a while of me being like super stressed and super overworking again, which it seems like it's a cycle for me um, to be able to hire people. Um, it felt really, really scary, really, really scary. But now that we've done it, I can see a direct correlation between the people having the right people on our team and our revenue growing and being able to bring on more people that can help. Uh, and it's cool because we get to have an impact on them and then they get to have an impact on the people we have an impact on. And it's like this giant ripple effect. That's cool for everybody. Yeah. I love that. I had a similar experience where I was like, you know, hopping between different brands and realizing if I split my attention, then, you know, no one was going anywhere fast. And I was at, I guess it was Funnel Hacking Live 2020, maybe right before everything shut down, probably. Um, Dan Henry was talking about how to do multiple things, but doing one at a time. And I think he said like, pick one thing, master it, and then delegate it. And it sounds like that's what you've done. So like, we can't do multiple things at once, but we can do multiple things in our lifetime, you know? And I think that's really like the perspective that had to shift for me. And it sounds similar for you too. Yeah, exactly. I did have one person when I first started doing multiple things, I did have one person that was like, I see that you have multiple, uh, kind of grilling me. And they were like, I see that you have multiple brands. And I felt, I remember in that moment feeling like guilt about it, or like, I wasn't a real entrepreneur. I didn't have a real business because I had multiple brands. And looking back on it now, I'm like, okay, maybe this just wasn't the best fit. And that's okay. Um, like, for, I think I think more, more now than ever, the people that I attract are the people that are multi-passionate, that get that, that are like, I understand you can do an excellent job in the work that you're doing for me, even though you have multiple brands that are under your company, because I know you're not running every aspect of them. And for me, I think it shows too, that you have the ability to delegate, you have the ability to um, find the best of the best and have them working on that instead of you trying to put yourself into every every role that you're not the best fit for. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it also shows that you enjoy everything that you're doing. Like if you're brave enough to say I'm multi-passionate and I have this brand and I have this brand and I hire you to write my emails, I know that you want to write my emails because if you didn't, then you wouldn't have this brand. You would just work in your other brand, right? So it's like a very, you know, it's it's a mindset flip because we have always heard maybe just from previous generations where, you know, you got one job and you stayed there for 50 years. We've always heard like, that's this, the stable route mm-hmm. more and more. I'm seeing multi-passionate serial entrepreneurs like yourself who are like making big waves in the space and going, you are a multifaceted person. Like we're allowed to monetize different hobbies and different interests that we have. Um, and it just creates bigger and bigger ripple effects really. So I love that about your story. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, you mentioned that you have something awesome to offer our audience, which is called Welcome and Wow. So tell us just a little bit about that. And you guys, there's a, a link in the show notes here um, for you to go ahead and grab it. So one of the questions I get uh, for people that want to do email marketing, want to work with us or want to do our programs is I know I need a welcome sequence, but what does it look like? How long is it? What is it? You know, what does it sound like? Um, I have one email and it's really awkward, like all those, all those kind of things I hear a lot. And so we made a, it's like a mini training um, and it has templates as well. Cause I know some people love templates. Some people just want to learn how to do it. So we combine both into a bundle. It's something we normally sell, but we really wanted to be able to give it to your listeners uh, for free so they can get their welcome sequence busted out. It's one of the ways that you can, you know, start earning more in your business without constantly having that oversight. So you can, if you want to do multiple things, you can. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I know that our listeners are going to really appreciate that. So guys, you can find it in the show notes below, everything that you need to know about that. Brittany, I am so thankful that you spent time with us today, that you sat down and chatted about all these topics. Um, is there anywhere that we can find you online to you know, learn about the different brands that you have? Like, Where's the best place to, to follow you? Yeah, you can find me everywhere. We have a lot of things happening online. So on Instagram, it's uh, instagram.com slash the queen of evergreen. It has the, the, the beginning. So the queen of evergreen. Um, and then you can also find the Friday off club in, uh, on Facebook as well. And we'd love to have you there no matter what you do, uh, as long as you want to set up a life you love, it's a great place to be. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. We appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks.